Good morning. Welcome to CherryBeckert's.com podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy with Cherry Beckert. Um, I'm part of the Government Contract Services Group, and today with me is Javier Diaz, a manager in our Government Contract Services Group. Um, and today, Javi, you know, first, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, recently, you and I have been talking a lot about and, you know, picking each other's brains when it comes to timekeeping. It seems like we've had a big influx recently with um, questions related to timekeeping. Um, probably, you know, coming out of incurred cost emission season, now we're in the proposal season, and accounting system reviews and a lot of audits seem to be going on, um, yep. and timekeeping is something that has been hitting us. Uh, we've been getting questions with and being hit with questions from a lot of different um, clients who are getting different types of audits going on. So, you know, I thought today would be, that'd be a great topic for us to talk about from a um, you know, a, a compliance standpoint, what that really means, and how does the timekeeping system uh, play into a lot of, you know, the controls and uh, and why it is so important? Yep. I mean, I think one of the things that uh, people uh, sometimes forget is that uh, a timekeeping it doesn't only affect your billing; it also affects your estimating system, right? So, it, it's it, the information that's getting put into your timekeeping system, or the hours that your employees are working, um, will be used also in the future if you have a a similar project that you're going to be proposing on, and you want to look at your historicals of how long it actually took to uh, to be able to complete that that project. So. Um, I think that's the main reason why uh, a lot of companies are starting to reach out to us to uh, trying to make sure that they have a uh, uh, an adequate timekeeping system. Yeah, it's it's funny just how uh, you know you have you have manual systems, you have fully integrated systems. Um, you know, you people use Excel. Some I've seen yep. some using tables in Word. Um, and then others, of course, have a system that is completely built into the ERP or an add-on to the ERP. Um, mm -hmm. So with all these different types of systems, when it comes to government compliance, are there any certain controls or best practices that you see are, you know, must-haves, um, you know, other than like the approval, you know, enter, has to be approved by a supervisor? Is there, what else do you, do you think is a necessity? So um, first off, um, just to be perfectly clear, like all of those different methods of keeping time are acceptable if you have the proper controls in place. So your timekeeping system could be an electronic software or it could be manual, right? It could be uh, written by hand. Um, so uh, as as long as it has the, the, the proper uh, controls, which begin with your policies and procedures. Um, your policies and procedures are the belly button that shows or or uh, provides guidance to the employees in your companies uh, as far as what's expected of them regarding uh, timekeeping. And all the employees uh, should have access to be able to get the, um, the access to the policies and procedures and um, should be provided training on them. So that that's the first, uh, and I think it's a must. And I think it's probably 
one of the main areas where a lot of companies have issues because there's a lot of companies that are doing things and doing them correctly is just not documented. Yeah, that's definitely true. What about daily timekeeping? Yep, I think um, uh, all uh, uh, time must be recorded daily. And if it's in, if you're using manual timesheets, your time uh, must be recorded in ink. And this is to um, avoid an error being committed and just going back and erasing it with pencil and, and, and writing it someplace else. So um, you would record it in ink. And if there's a, a correction that needs to be made, you'll cross it out, put your initial and date and and document the reason as to why the change was made and and then record it to the proper uh, project. Okay. Um, another thing is that employees must record all hours worked. It doesn't matter if it's billed or unbilled. And the timesheet should uh, give them the uh, ability to charge time to direct projects and indirect charge codes like your GNA functions or uh, sick leave, vacation time, holidays, things like that. And you know that you made a good point about all hours work. We seem to get a questions a decent amount of, hey, if my, I'm fully billable and I work my eight hours, but then I you then I have a two hour training, I can only, I don't have to put in the two hours of training, right? We only need to put in the two up to the eight hours of billable. And there, the answer would be no. You should put ten hours, not in that. There should be eight hours of. Um, direct time and two hours to that training code. Um, Correct. Yeah. Because Correct. that there and that plays into what you were saying of not just well, it does distribute the labor mm -hmm. to the correct GL account that we use for pricing indirects. Mm -hmm. It also changes your effective hourly rate that you would potentially bill at too. Yep. Yep. Um, and and then not only that. Um, uh, Timesheets come up in in the accounting system audit and, and labor floor checks. And when an auditor is coming in and looking and going through the uh, audit program to do testing um, and you tell them that there's uh, training being performed, let's say timekeeping training, right? Um, the auditor would expect that there would be time charged to training, which is not, uh, which would be a uh, an indirect function. So mm -hmm. everything kind of links together and, and your timesheets should tell the whole story. Well, and um, it, it, it would also come up if you have a grant and you have a single audit, there's time, te there's testing there when it comes to your allocations. Um, you know, I, with some smaller companies, uh, I've talked with some people that they are, you know, they, they wear multiple hats and mm -hmm you have you know say it's a small business and it's 10 people and the president is also direct to um and they're mm -hmm. building their time there would be an expectation i would think from the from the government of hey since you're the president you should probably have some indirect time of running the company as well um yep. and it, you know it'd be considered maybe unreasonable to be like hey yeah you're 100 percent direct but you're also running the company and you know reviewing financials on a monthly business, uh, finding teaming partners, reviewing financials and um, doing everything else. Yep, yep, that is correct. And then uh, another thing is that uh, project codes need to be set up by finance or HR or, or whichever department has been designated as, as the uh, 
the department that's setting up the charge codes for projects. And uh, those charge codes need to be provided to the employees prior to them beginning to work on on the project. So day one, when they when they start working on it, they should already know where they're going to charge their time to. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, anything when it comes to record keeping? So as far as uh, uh, record keeping, uh, you, you should maintain the timesheets for uh, three years after final payment for government contracts. However, um, as we all know, sometimes DCAA comes in to do their incurred cost audits seven years after the fact. So one of the, the cost elements that they're going to be uh, testing uh, and asking for supporting documents are, are your labor costs. And so you should maintain the, the timesheets until after uh, DCAA has performed the incurred cost audit and finalized your rates for that year because you need to be able to support the audit. Definitely true. Um, the other question I feel that we get a lot is, hey, I don't have any cost reimbursable contracts yet. Um, indirect people don't need to track their time, right? Because we, we're not calculating indirects. What, what are your thoughts there? No, I think they definitely need to uh, calculate. I mean, you may not be invoicing uh, using indirect rates, but uh, definitely for uh, checking to see if a project is profitable or not, um, it's key for you to be able to uh, have all labor allocated correctly and uh, use the uh, indirects to be able to help calculate your indirect rates. Additionally, if uh, you're going to be going up for a uh, an accounting system audit, a DCAA is going to expect for uh, you to have indirect rates and there's no way to really calculate those without having your uh, labor, your indirect labor. Yeah, I think that's a big one. <clears throat> I know with a lot of these large um, BPAs and IDIQ awards, the accounting system is like a, the accounting system review is like a prerequisite to even get the award. Um, so I think that's a necessity and, yep, yep. Should be, and you should be practicing everyone recording time by uh, before it, you know, best practice of course is before the award even happens and that and, um, and go start it as early as possible. I feel like timekeeping is such one of those cultural things that, you know, you don't, if you're, you're not in the habit of doing it and um, the company maybe was only commercial and is now getting into government contracts, mm -hmm. it is something that, employees seem to have a hard time swallowing the pill of timekeeping and also um, and I don't know if it's necessarily like a big brother type thing and of course companies don't want to seem like they're micromanaging and it's very popular now to have you know the unlimited PTO and we trust the time but the, from the government standpoint that's the source for invoices estimates yep cost incur like it, that is the historical basis that so much is built on from a federal government's perspective. I agree, and that's why I believe that using an electronic system is better than a manual uh, timekeeping system um, it, with helping in changing the culture of the company. Because um, first off, having a manual system is inefficient, 
and there'd be a lot of, of back and forth, which would be a burden to your employees, whereas uh, having an electronic system would probably help uh, your employees adapt to the uh, the new type keeping system faster. Um, yeah. and, but also uh, the electronic timekeeping systems help you keep an audit trail. So that would help you as far as um, the approvals from the supervisors that are needed or, or keeping track of changes and, and corrections. Um, it, it'll uh, timestamp all of the activity that's uh, done throughout the timekeeping process to from where when an employee records their time, it's it's reviewed and approved by a supervisor and submitted to uh, a payroll for processing. And, and I, I, a lot of people don't realize that that submitting the payroll for processing and the posting of time and the, depending on the cost objective that you're posting to, that all gets mapped into your into your um, accounting system, into your ERP. So that it, those go to certain GL accounts and you need to be able to accurately get that posted. And I think from, you know, to your point, if it's a manual system and you're using Excel or something like that, there's a lot more oversight controls and you know, the document documentation trail that needs to be provided versus a lot of these um, electronic systems. A lot of them are bolt-ons to ERPs or they're part of the ERP itself where it just naturally integrates and posts straight in, you know. And of yeah. course, there could be some issues if it comes to, you always want, it always starts with the implementation, but that does, I feel like, it helps in, um, you know, clears up any confusion or helps cause less gray hairs from an employee standpoint, posting their time to a supervisor reviewing the time and then to the accounting and finance of billing that time worked and calculating indirects and we're doing the monthly report and financials. So, but, um, you know, I think that we kind of uh, talked about timekeeping a lot and um, it's something that can definitely be very complicated and, you know, a lot of nuances too, especially if you're doing commercial versus government um, or if you have hourly versus salary. There are definitely some nuances there that can fall along from timekeeping to benefits and, you know, what, what happens. But, um, uh, you know, Javi, I do um, thank you, though, for taking the time to talk with me today about timekeeping. No problem. Thank you for having me. Appreciate everything. And if uh, if anyone has any questions about timekeeping or compliance, please feel free to reach out to Javier or myself. Um, and thank you for listening into this episode of the GovCon podcast.